welcome to episode 112 of the Canadian Pepper Podcast, recorded on April 11th, 2021. <laughs> my name is Ian, I live on Vancouver Island. I'm a student preparedness target shooter and my farm's designated, designated mediocre handyman. I'm pinch hitting for Eric tonight. Hi, I'm Alan. I'm a safety trainer, first responder, security expert, and overall safety nerd. And my name's Terry. I live in southern Ontario. Besides being an aspiring author, which is why I'm on here tonight, I've worked in the aviation business for 20 years, partially in the Air Force, Canadian Air Force, and partially in civil aviation. Worked in transportation, and dare I say it, the godforsaken pipeline construction business. <laughs> I know, it's a kind of a taboo word these days. And I do enjoy hunting, fishing, camping, and all things prepping. That's what we appreciate about you, Terry. <laughs> if you want to help support the show and keep the Canadian Prepper Podcast on the air, buy some swag. We have both Canadian Prepper Podcast t-shirts and the super awesome, wicked cool tactical Velcro patch at Canadian Prepper, sorry, at PrepperPodcast.ca. All proceeds help keep the lights on and the backup generator fueled. And if you're enjoying the show tonight... Please take a few minutes to like us on Facebook, submit a review on iTunes. Also, we want your feedback, good or bad, or just because there's a topic you or if, if there's a topic you want us to cover, you can email us at feedback at prepperpodcast.ca. All right, we've got some more uh, literary content for you this episode. We're going to start off with some preparedness-related news, and then we're going to let you know what we did for preparedness since our last episode. Then we're going to get into the main topic, which is book club part two. It's a really low effort dad, dad joke there tonight, Ian. Yeah, I just, I'm sorry. I miss Eric too much. I just, I'm kind of thrown <laughs> off. Eric, we need you back. Yeah, badly. <laughs> uh, anyway, so news time. Uh, it's actually, it's kind of funny because I guess we had to put it off because of Easter weekend. So my news might be a little dated here. But um, at first I was complaining. I, I, I was like, BC, what are you doing? Like our cases were dropping and, you know, we didn't have any reason to do this. But we decided to do another uh, circuit breaker reset pseudo lockdown, uh, which at first I was kind of angry about. But then... Ontario, not to be outdone, decided to do what do they call it in your your end now? It's uh, uh, they call it an emergency break, I think. Emergency break, certain not a circuit break, but an emergency break. Coming up with new with new terms for the same thing. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love these pithy expressions. But anyway, so yeah, obviously, as you guys know, Ontario has gone through a bit of a lockdown, and things have changed. Sort of. Happened. I mean, just every, every long weekend, though, right? It seems to be. Yeah, <laughs> just just one weekend, and then the case count goes away, and then. Another long weekend comes along, and here we are again. And it's al almost as if it's not about some kind of potentially deadly virus. That was the outside voice, uh, inside, and vice versa. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's kind of funny. I just I don't think there's a lot of compliance, uh, which is a good thing at this point uh, going on around here because there's no reason to lock it down when the cases are lower than they ever have been. So, anyway. Um, Second piece of news I had here was the Liberals endorse at their policy conference a policy to uh, start up UBI if they get reelected. So uh, that would be intro to communism 101. I don't know what you, how to so refer to that, but universal basic income for those new to the party. Um, it's a it's a guaranteed monthly, weekly, biweekly deposit into a bank account. <sighs> yeah, it's not universal. It turns out. So it's only it's only universal if you qualify and if you vote for the right party. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think it's two thousand for people that make less than thirty or something, and by the time you make sixty, it's phased out, and so there's there's a disincentive to work, and it's it's all the problems of socialism rolled into one at our taxpayer expense. Of course, and you know, know I, that, uh, I can I can make an argument. 
at, at most points that a universal basic income, if and only if it replaces CPP and OAS and welfare and, and, and all the other support systems that we have, it's likely cheaper to administer. Oh, I would think but we all know that it won't be done that way. Yeah, I would think if they got rid of all those other things, like yep. all the welfare and all the other bureaucracy involved, yep. uh, it would definitely be cheaper. But government never gets smaller, does it? <laughs> it, it it's, yeah. <laughs> Invariably gets more convoluted and more expensive to run. So, yeah, I can't imagine there's going to be any cost savings I, here at I all. Can't, so. I can't imagine it would, it would happen that way. But if it did, I would support it yeah. if it worked that way. Um, so my news... Um, Funny enough, <laughs> uh, as the as the liberals are endorsing universal basic a universal universal ish basic income, um, the NDP has decided that if they get into power, <clears throat> that perhaps they they will introduce a new wealth tax on millionaires and a twenty dollar an hour minimum wage, which will create fewer millionaires, which will then reduce the wealth tax. But yeah. Thanks, thanks, NDP. Good job. <laughs> Not to mention scaring the the one group of people that can actually afford to leave the country <laughs> into leaving the country. And you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> never mind. Yeah, <sighs> yeah, yeah. All um, right, we're on the wrong CPP for, for for dwelling too much on that. That's right, wrong show. All right, so what have we done lately for preps? Um, move on to that, I guess. So as for myself, uh, well, it was a two week episode or two week hiatus there. So yeah, there's a list. Um, I ended up having to go for retraining. Before you go in, yeah. uh, I just gotta go get a coffee. So yeah, take your start time. talking. By the time yeah. I get back, you'll be you'll still be talking, but yeah, no, it's all good. All right, so I started <laughs> off. Uh, obviously, my first week was actually a layoff because I had recurrent training at work and I had to go over to the off the island type of thing and and go do that. So that kind of at first had me sidelined for most of the show, and I was like, oh. It's a good thing we skipped a week actually. So um, then I got home and immediately discovered. I think I mentioned to you guys on the chat that. My uh, roof, turns out, had some uh, vents that, even though I had my roof redone just when I first moved in, they had reused some of the old parts from the old roof, and they had disintegrated, and now I had gaping holes in my roof, so I had to go take care of that. So, again, that took away from my prep time. But <laughs> I managed to get some more stuff in. Uh, I, thanks to Eric, and uh, I had originally a bit of a hardware problem with the programming cable, but I managed to get that uh, Chirp program for ham radio up and running. And uh, that was awesome because instead of trying to manually enter all the repeaters and everything else, I was able to like import a bunch of stuff into Chirp uh, via like repeater book, I think the website is. And then all of a sudden, thanks to a couple of YouTube videos, I was programming the ham radios and even personalizing it to the point where even when I turn it on, I think it even says the island retreat on it now. <laughs> and uh, it's got all the stuff named on it. Oh, it's just, it's such a labor saver. So I was very happy to learn how to use Chirp. I think we're gonna. I think we're gonna have to swap nerd spots here on our, uh, oh. on our on our intros. Yeah, no. At first, I was like, no. I think I think I'm gonna try and get this done. So actually, thanks to Eric, I got got that done. So and then since I started that event this week, I decided to join the local ham radio club, which is called Mira or Mid Island Radio Association, and they were a really friendly bunch. There's only I think 80 people in the group, so obviously it's gonna be um, a very tight knit group, I guess, on that that thing. So um, the good news is they have weekly Zoom meetings. So I'm sure to learn stuff by osmosis during the uh, the course of all these meetings and, uh, you know, hopefully pick up some knowledge along the way. I started a battery system, which I should have been smart enough to bring in front of the camera, but uh, to basically do an off-grid power for the uh, ham radio base station. Uh, just took a look at my wallet. I was actually brushing up my resume for uh, for a side gig that I need to, to find because I'm 
find myself out of work pretty much right now. So I actually looked at my CPR card and I'm getting close to renewal time. So I'm going to have to go to do some sort of day renewal. Do you, do you know if they do that? Uh, is this like a half day course or something, Alan, or how does that work for CPR? Um, depends on who your certifying body is. Um, and I can't say for sure in BC. I know in Ontario, uh, CPR renewal is like three hours. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah, now that's CPR only. CPR and first aid, if it as long as it hasn't expired. Now I teach through the Red Cross, so the Red Cross in Ontario uh, is like I think it's three three or four hours for um, CPR, five hours for basic, and eight hours for standard first aid with CPR removal involved. All right, cool. Yeah, so I uh, it's my uh, my first aid too. I'll probably have to do so. I'll do one day renewal, I guess, on that sometime this next month here. Yep, and most of them are offering a blended, so you can do the you can do the theory online before you show up, and then just do the skills in class. And the more of those that I teach, the less likely I want the less I want to go back to teaching two day classes. It's so much more efficient. Well, yeah, I would think so. I mean, and yeah, especially nowadays, as people are kind of freaked out about interactions, it seems. So yeah, I guess if you can minimize yep. that, that's one thing. Uh, let's see here. What else they do? I started stacking up the woodshed for next year. Normally, I don't get this done until like July or August, and it's usually a panic episode trying to get that done in time before the first rains. But started doing it already thanks to the uh, the lack of work. So that's been fantastic. Um, burnt my last brush pile here because the burn ban comes into effect in four days here. So I was happy to get that done. And uh, let's see here. My see, I think it was a, episode two. We did a water episode, Eric and I, I think before you joined us, Alan, do you remember that? That was episode seven, and that was my first episode was water. Oh, well, there you go. So we talked about water gathering and everything else, and I had this little system set up for the chicken coop, and it was basically a rainwater catchment system. And I couldn't figure out why we had this torrential rainstorm the other day, and I got zero rain into the system at all. And I was like, okay, that's peculiar. So, I, of course, I looked up, and uh, unbeknownst to me, just very slowly but surely, it plugged up with pine needles and a bunch of other stuff. Point there was like four inches of stuff in the eaves troughs, and I was like, "Oh, never mind." So I spent half a day doing that, and then uh, see here. The, the no clean uh, gutters are worth every penny. Oh yeah, and then every uh, penny of them. Yep. Oh yeah, it was, it was definitely worth it. But it was it was actually a, a big job. By the time I swept off the roof and kind of get the moss off the roof and everything else, it was it was a big thing. Anyways, uh, so since it's coming into dry season now, I while wire wheeled all the hand tools that I had to de rust after the winter. Started working on the solar system uh, a little bit more. So I got power into the house and got a charge controller hooked up to the battery in the house so I can charge cell phones and stuff off grid. And then let's see here. What else is going on? We actually picked up some solar panels today. That was kind of cool. So I got uh, 10 solar panels for the house, but n nothing else for the this is parts collection right now. Um, other than that, uh, continuing hardware collection over the gas in the house, and that's pretty much it. Coffee? Okay. Got it. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, no, I got my coffee. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> All right. I, um, yeah, I don't remember what I did week before last. Honestly, it's been, uh, it's, I, I think I mentioned in the group chat, it's been an absolutely crazy few days with the, uh, with the fire department. We've had like, you know, more, more calls in five days, in a five day stretch than we've ever had. Um, but this week I spent most of yesterday splitting and stacking firewood. Uh, managed to blow a line on a 22-ton log splitter, which is uh, uh, <laughs> I'm going to be doing some landscaping next year, it seems. Um, got my so was that the re return line, or is that just the high-pressure line? Like, what do you mean? No, it was the return line. It okay. Was, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, we, we, we broke it real good. Um, got, a, got a pressure washer. Um, it was actually really entertaining to watch that be delivered, because I ordered it from homedepot.ca. It shipped out of Wisconsin, went to Illinois went to somewhere else, then drove 
right past my house. Um, <laughs> went to three other cities in London, in in, uh, in Toronto. Uh, sorry, like Toronto, Aurora, Stratford, and then a couple of other places before it was finally delivered to my house a week later. Um, I couldn't possibly begin to understand the logic behind that, but uh, hey, free delivery to the middle of nowhere, so I'm, I'm okay with that. Um, yeah, yeah, spent so I, so I did that. Got my got my new pressure washer set up, and that's that's a good time. Um, did some house maintenance. Uh, got a new lawnmower today because my old one finally finally uh, um, refused to start. And last time I had it serviced, they said, "Yeah, you can have this serviced again, but it's just it's just not worth it." It's like you know, I we paid twenty five bucks for it ten years ago, and it lived a good life. And I hope somebody else can carry that on somewhere but it's it's not living here anymore so that happened today so my my youngest child has uh now become um the lawnmower of the house which is good he's the he's the guy that runs the machine so um yeah got all getting got you know got all my like all my kindling stacked up and sorted out and it's under the under the shed or in the shed so it'll be nice and dry and that's that's it i've been puttering around the house and i've been working a lot I'd say if you got got it for twenty five bucks, it doesn't owe you anything at that point. It doesn't owe me a damn thing. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Bane mentions that don't look for logic and delivery systems in Canada. Like, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it shipped it shipped by UPS from, like I said, from Wisconsin, like Wisconsin to Illinois, somewhere else, then to like four places in Ontario, and. I was like, man, if because UPS is famous, right? They show up with duty fees due at the like like at the door. Um, they show up with brokerage charges. Like, if they show up with brokerage charges, I'm just sending it back because, like, I ordered it from a Canadian website, so that's you know I'm expecting it to ship from Canada. I wish they had said it'll be like it's it's gonna ship. It's gonna take that long because they said like two or three business days, and it was like eight later, and I would have just gone and picked it up. But but you know, patience is virtue or something. Yeah, no, yeah. Area. I actually ended up, uh, yeah, for the first time, I, I don't know how long Canada Post actually lost something. They're usually pretty good here, but I ended up having to get a, a, a resend from the original uh, store because, yeah, something got lost in the Richmond Sorting Center and never never showed up. So, Well, they they have had several COVID cases, and therefore things are, things are bad. <laughs> Does that mean they took it home with them? No. <laughs> I just couldn't tell you. Um, I know there was, uh, they were saying that, um, one of the, the the Toronto processing plant, I think, had a um, had an outbreak, and so they had to shut down a bunch of lines and shut down a bunch of stations and redirect for a bit because you know we've never been able to work with cold before. Guess not. <laughs> what was yourself, Terry? Well, other than doing the nasty work thing, I signed up for a, a shortwave radio course, so I start that this week. And Alan reminded me of, oh, yeah, I did do some some spring maintenance around the house. I did get the lawnmower fired up and did some cleaning and that type of thing around here. So a little bit of brush falling down over the winter and so on. So that's, uh, that's my, that was my fun. So something, when you say short radio radio, you mean like the ham radio, right? Like yes. the amateur radio? Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Did I work the wrong thing? No, no. So, I, I just want to make sure it was like something else. I was like, maybe I'm missing something. I don't know. No. Uh, ham radio. It, it was... It was Shortwave radio when I was a kid, and then at some point it became ham, and now it's amateur. And um, I imagine it has something to do with the uh, something to do with the terminology for legislation. But yeah, well, that's interesting. Yeah, goodness knows, no, I don't know. No, it was it was always shortwave to me. Like my, my grandpa was I, a, my grandpa was a ham, and um, 
it was always shortwave to me until you know until rather recently it became amateur are you uh are you doing the online course terry or you just do uh as in person what's the online course yeah oh nice okay well that's some, cool. uh, some outfit out of nova scotia i guess i got quite a few quite a few people that sign up for these things. I missed the last one. I was supposed to do that one, but I was a little tardy getting signed up and they fill up pretty quick. Well, I guess there's no real class limit sizes other than I guess the amount of questions would flow in, but yeah, I don't know. Oh, anyway. All right. Well, I guess it's, it's, great, it's great to hear. I'm really glad that it's, that it's busy enough that they're putting, that they're having to put caps on it and run more courses. Yeah. They, they said they're going to, they expect 200 students. Oh, wow. that's amazing. They're, yeah, they're at 160. Their last message I got from them. So, yeah, fantastic, pretty popular. Yeah, it's kind of actually when I joined the local uh, club here, the the president phones me up and he's like, or I guess ex president, sorry, and he uh, he phoned up because he's handling the emails and he's like, yeah, it's it's just been going gangbusters lately. I don't know what's going on. I'm like, <laughs> I know what's going on. I know exactly what's going on. <laughs> yeah, been talking about it. People are kicking off the bucket list of uh, stuff they want to get done for a while, and mm -hmm. yeah, why not? So yeah, it's been on my list for a long time, and I just been putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. Yeah, now's the time. What a uh, rabbit before, hole they want. Oh, go ahead. Before we skip into the main topic, I see Brad uh, Brad Taylor in the um, YouTube chat. Uh, I haven't forgotten about you, Brad. I'm just waiting. I'm I'm waiting on a delivery of a couple of other things, and I'll be coming back to. You know, I'll be coming back to you with your uh, with your email. I have not forgotten about you. Cool. Uh, Caroline mentioned she's in the same course as well. Uh, yes, yes yesterday there was 160, and now the class is capped at 250. So that's oh, I said 250. That's yes. Yeah. yeah. What a rabbit hole, though, on the YouTube. Like, I mean, uh, between Ham Radio Crash Course and the Smoking Ape and a couple other ones, I'm just like, mm -hmm. there's just too many videos I want to watch now. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I'm. I my my goal for this week is to get all the um, all the last couple of pieces and connectors that I need because, of course, um, Radio World never has all the exact right parts that I needed. Um, so I had to kind of mishmash it together and. Well, hopefully this time around they'll have the parts in stock so I can actually install the radios in my in my two vehicles and get some things get some things programmed. So yeah, actually, well, I did my first order from Radio World too, and it's, again, the Radio World owner she actually emailed me is like, okay, sorry for the delay. You know, it's like the next day, and she was like, sorry for the delay, but you know the the antenna is on the way. Here's your tracking number. I'm like, wow, that's yep. that's not a delay. <laughs> That's, that's not a delay. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty no, good. Actually, it's phenomenal for service, and and they're you know I'll I'll, sh I'll shut them out. They they're great. I've, I've called them a couple of times to get information. They're knowledgeable. They don't pretend to know things, which is great. They'll say, "Oh, I'm not the guy for that," but come talk to this person, and then you get on the phone with that person, and they know exactly what to, what to say. Um, the the inventory, and I'm sure it's not exclusively a radio world problem. I'm sure that's uh, a radio in general problem, a radio supply in general problem, but it's been, um, um, the stock has been, has been the only, has been the only hang up, but no matter what I've ordered, I've gotten it quickly. So. Yeah, they've been pretty good. Darius mentions he's got his coax manual uh, in hand as well. And he's got it a few weeks ago and he's the only place in the city that had one. And he's been studying ever since. So that's, uh, that's great. Yeah. Darius it, is going to join us too. So much knowledge. Oh, Oh, Bane mentioned uh, it was getting all spooled up for the garden. Oh, no, we already talked about that one, didn't we? Oh, no, it's Bane. He said uh, getting all spooled up for the garden and uh, raised beds. He snowed 20 to 30 centimeters today. Oh, oh wow. Sorry, Bane. And he's still going. Wow. Might be a few days till he resumes. So, Well, we've, we've, we've got all of our plants inside. But we've, got our, we've already got bean stalks that are six inches tall, and I don't know what we're going to do with them until we can plant them in the first of May. Um, but we planted – actually, we planted potatoes last weekend. That's another thing that we did. Um 
planted seed potatoes, so hopefully we'll have enough to feed the growing boy monster until uh, through the winter. Uh, we've expanded our garden significantly this year, which is going to be it's going to be exciting. Awesome. Well, time to move on. Sure. All right, main topic time. So, uh, yeah, book club volume two. Here we are. This is a little different than the fact that we actually got Terry to come on the show, which we really appreciate. So, uh, Terry, before we start talking about the actual book, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, boy. Well, I've been interested in prepping since I was a teenager. You know, growing up, you can tell by the white hair, I grew up in the Cold War era. <laughs> so, you know, I've been around back to the nuclear 50s and 60s. And uh, I joined the Air Force when I was a young fellow, and I belonged to a tactical fighter squadron. And one of the things we were tasked to do was, in, in case you know, the Russians attacked, we were supposed to go to northern Norway within 72 hours of being called up. And so the Cold War thing's always been in my blood. And uh, this just seemed to be a, a natural you know, add-on to it. You know, you always tucked a few things aside. Yeah, and being out in the country, too, same thing. You always had power outages to deal with, and we'd get snowed in and so on, so... Just being prepared was a natural thing. Nice. It's almost as if it becomes a habit, then it's no longer a big deal. It's just a way of life. Oh, yeah. I love that yeah. concept. I, I think that's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, no, it, uh, it's natural progression, too, when you're out in the country, when you have the power outages, it's just naturally going to lead to prepping. So, like, oh, or yeah. what we'd call prepping today, life back then, right? So, life back then. I mean, think of the money you save on groceries. You only have to buy stuff when it's on sale. Yeah, that's kind of been the ongoing thing. Actually, have you guys heard of that? Uh, no, I guess it's a Costco West thing. Never mind, Western Canada, but they actually have like they have a listing of all the Costco specials on right now, and then you just kind of go in sniper sniper shop. <laughs> mm, it's actually pretty good. So we, we do that. We do that with the, with the PC guys. The uh, um, we can we can build our entire uh, our entire grocery order and get it ready for pickup, and we can just like pick the stuff that's on sale and the stuff that gives us the bonus points, and we're yep. gonna have buy. Like by Thanksgiving, we'll have you know eight hundred or a thousand dollars worth of PC PC optimum points that gets us through the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. Bane points out that uh, how far you are in the country is a good indication of how far into prepping you are. Yes, <laughs> I live in an intersection with seventy houses, and I'm seven minutes to the nearest gas station. That's how that's how far I am. <laughs> I'd love to be further out, but unfortunately, job dictates I can't be that far out. So I uh, yeah, but I'm nice still unincorporated, so that counts. Be nice you're to be ahead. a little farther out. But, yeah. yep. Anyway, so uh, what inspired you to start writing books? Well, you know, working on the pipeline, I had a little bit of time on my hands quite often, so I used to read a lot. And uh, I read a lot of books from new authors from the UK and, and US, and uh, they're quite interesting. A lot of them are new authors. And I thought, you know, if, if these guys could do it, why can't some dumb Canuck? So I, one day I just decided I was going to do it, and I wrote, sat down and I wrote, the whole thing on an iPad, basically, really? just in my spare time. Huh. Yeah, no, it's just yeah. funny because I uh, I've noticed that uh, basically every time you read a book, it's always about an American situation, and very yeah. rarely I notice if it's a UK book, I'd be like, "Wow, a book from the UK! This is amazing!" Yes. Yeah, and, that was uh, kind of- yeah, that's actually kind of funny because like when I read yours, I was like, "Oh, finally, places I recognize." Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a few that I've I've learned since I've started doing this, but not too many. Not too many. Cool. And so well, I mean, it certainly is a unique perspective and a, and unique challenges too. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. you know, snow is not unique to Canada, but um, but our climate is, uh, is is pretty pretty hard to replicate anywhere else in the world. That's right. That's right. Unless you're writing in Cyrillic, I suppose. But 
Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, so what uh, made you pick the particular scenario for uh, antigenic shift? Well, I just always always thought that a, a disease pandemic was probably the most likely, you know, event that would cause a, a you know a crisis or an apocalyptic event. Say, you know, there's just been so much out there, you know, diseases over the years, and and then add that in with the thawing Arctic. The global warming, if you, you know, if you believe in global warming, whatever, some do, some don't. But, you know, the, the, the Arctic is warming up and buried in that permafrost. They've been, they found all kinds of old diseases and they, they found anthrax up there. They found, uh, trying to think of a few things. There's a really interesting article in the BBC a few years ago about some of the stuff that was percolating up to the top. And I just figured, well, that's, a, that's, that's believable. And the migrating birds flying back and forth pick this disease up and bring it back down south. I thought, so that's quite a conceivable way to do it. And uh, I, I, I've thought that was the most conceivable thing you know, of all the things. I don't believe in zombies. You know? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I don't really believe in birds either. So <laughs> I've, seen a few, I've seen, seen a few zombies in the city, but they usually walk around like this all the time. Yeah, you know, exactly. like, you know, both thumbs that's, going crazy. And, yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, so rather than me blabbering on about the book, before we get into you know questions and stuff, uh, can you give us a quick synopsis? Like, well, what's the book about? Okay, let's see if I can get this here. So I wanted a subject that was believable, something that could happen very easily and catch humanity unprepared. And again, going into the Arctic warming up and the permafrost thawing and, and diseases that have been buried up in there. Again, wildlife mixes up with these, picks up these diseases. Birds fly down south. And they could take it all over the world very quickly, you know, so that would help something spread quickly. And uh, so the birds bring this back from their summer breeding grounds in the Arctic, mixes up with the current H5N1 strain that's floating around, and it mutates to the point that it's a completely new disease, which is what an antigenic shift is. It's a completely new disease that's formed from several different uh, previous ones. Then, so in, in my book, I got 50% of the population being wiped out, like within weeks, and everything getting overwhelmed and dead piling up in the streets and the rule of law falling apart. And, you know, food delivery slow down and electricity, you know, because people aren't there anymore. So you have breakdowns in power and water and so on, how things start to fall apart. And then, you know, the bad guys, you know, they come out of the woodwork pretty quick. They'll take from those that are unprepared, they'll... You know, we see it all the time, criminal gangs and so on. Now the rule of law is gone, so they start coming loose. It's a free-for-all, right? It's a free-for-all. And I, <laughs> you know, we, I think it'll come call apart it quick. Rioting, they call it opportunity. It, it's it's uh, yeah. how you look at it. Yeah. That's right. It's all perspective. Actually, I do. I did appreciate the fact the book started off in a very Canadian activity, basically hunting up hunting. in Northern Ontario. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, exactly. yeah, it's like nothing tactical or anything else. It's, it's actually a very normal start to a, you know, a, a book that kind of, you know, uh, build up was actually fast once it got going, but it was, it was just very interesting. The fact that, yeah, it's not like they were, um, I'm trying to think of like doing special ops in Afghanistan before they started their, <laughs> their adventure. No. Else. It, was, it was actually just, just a very normal beginning. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. And again, a lot of, a lot of books you read are, are young macho guys with lots of muscle and tons and tons of special forces background and, I wanted somebody that was old. Since I got the white hair too, I wanted an older guy. You know, from wanted from an older perspective. Now yeah. this guy that I wrote about does have a military background, but you know he's still an older guy, and 
Again, I wanted it to happen in Canada where we have snow and we have cold and we have different challenges to deal with rather than someplace where it's warm and, and, uh, and easy. Easier, mm-hmm. I guess. Nothing's ever easy, but that was, part of my, uh, that was part of my thing in doing it. Yeah. First, it's funny. Uh, we were talking about this, uh, I guess, a couple episodes before we had you on here is that, you know, at first when I was reading the book, I was like, oh, the guy's an ex-JTF2 guy. Like, how common could that possibly be? Possibly be? And then I was like, wait a minute, my dentist is ex-JTF2. <laughs> <laughs> or, or so he claims or so he claims on his website anyway so i was like okay well that's fine i suppose people gotta do something when they retire but oh, uh, yeah yeah no it was pretty good and I, and I was kind of wondering at first like you had all those character introductions at the beginning and uh you know there's everything from the the german guy to the the asian martial arts expert guy and stuff and i was like why is he doing all this and i was like it just seems overly tactical and then i realized that you're using it as an allegory for like you know necessary skills to learn as part of preparedness which i was like that's pretty clever, actually. <laughs> that was well done. So, yeah, it was, it was a very interesting way to introduce your characters, for sure. Yeah, I kind of wanted uh, to contrast the difference between people that, that, that have some kind of preparedness skills to those that don't. You know, just, you know, just to do what you can do. There is a contrast there. There's a big difference in how things, how things play out for you if, you if you have a plan and if you're prepared. And, uh, oh, uh, wait a minute, so, Brad Taylor says, thank God, no zombies. <laughs> no. no. Not yet. I've read a few zombie books. I got. I must confess that I've read a few zombie books, but I, I don't really believe that's conceivable. <laughs> that's like, but that's like romance novels for preppers. I mean, it's just, just uh, if you need some mental <laughs> bubble gum, you just, just throw that in for, you know, just for some like, mindless entertainment and everything else. This is a lot more realistic. I like, that's why I really like this book, actually, is because it had some realistic aspects to it. It wasn't just like uh, easy peasy all the way through. And uh, obviously, uh, complications ensue soon thereafter, right, with, with mm-hmm. various aspects of the family. So, yeah. So, Terry, you mentioned that you were you were thinking about the the um, the, the mutation of, of, the, of the viruses and spread through the birds. What research did you do into that into that spread like into into virology i guess for i don't I'm not sure if that's the right term but virology to to guide you along your writing process god that's a good question i i just looked online and i read a number of different articles from uh from the cdc and like i have a little introduction of disease pandemics over the years so i went back and i researched those and on how how the pandemics you know, come about and how they spread and how some of them mutated. And on basic, that's all I did. I just researched online. I have no background in it whatsoever. So it was just something that you you thought was reasonable and kind of ran with it. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's fair. Just like any other, uh, you know, habitat, if it gets overpopulated sooner or later, something comes along and takes care of business, right? Well, that's it, right? And again, go back to the diseases. They've been talking there for years that, you know, we've been over uh, overuse of uh, antibiotics and, you know, diseases are becoming more resistant to them. So they're becoming less effective. You know, that's another problem we have, too, because we got antibiotics and everything now. And it's not a good thing. Oh, absolutely. We, we end up, and then we end up with, with MRSA strains of, mm-hmm. of, um, of same things that we, used to, that we used to be immune to. And now we aren't because we've, we've forced them to change. Yeah, they're constantly and, mutating. Yeah, and now and now it gets a little bit worse and a little bit worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'll look what we got now. <laughs> and it's been <laughs> interesting watching this darn COVID thing unfold after writing this because I wrote this in 2018, 
about a pandemic that strikes in 2020 of all years. And uh, lo and behold, we get one. It's not quite the same, but we got one. Yeah, this well, is your fault. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, really. You, you telegraphed it, didn't you? Uh, yeah, I so. did something about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I got so what, context. What's, what has, so, so looking, kind of looking backwards now, you've seen all of 2020 so far, all of 2021. Looking backwards to 2018, what's, like, how has this changed your views? How has this changed your your opinions of people in general? Interestingly the, how, enough. How, see, seeing, it come, seeing it come to life. Yeah, well, that, I never predicted the toilet paper thing. thing. <laughs> okay. Who could have predicted no. the toilet paper I don't think anybody thing. predicted the toilet paper thing. <laughs> I did mention it in the book, you know, when you're talking about stocking up. I did have toilet paper in there, but I never expected this. This was just oh. something else. Oh, I did giggle when I read that. Too. I was like, <laughs> the one line about toilet paper was like, well, he, na- he nailed that one. But yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a fifty percent die-off here either. It was like literally, it was just it was rumblings of it being in the country, and all of a sudden, boom! They had to you know limit toilet paper and everything else, even though it's made here. Doesn't matter. Yeah, so, it doesn't matter. So Something, like, China was involved somehow, right, probably, yeah. right? And but, well, like like we said, the overall of severity. It's not fifty percent of the people dying off, but it's just you yeah. know it's like a yeah, ninety-nine point seven percent survival rate with certain age groups and stuff. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, it still must have changed your views in some parts. And it did. Know, it was. Yeah, it, it did. And then the way the way that all full unfolded and then uh, trying to think of what else was uh, I was wanted to say about this one. Um, just the, the attitudes of people, though, they're similar, I find. Like, Well, I, I, I think the fear response is actually a fascinating thing to watch, too. Yeah, because it that's, doesn't have to be that's a- been interesting to unfold, too. Yeah, because I mean, even if it's uh, the initial thing with COVID or the initial thing in the book, uh, before something even affected people directly, whether it be in the book or real life, the fear reaction can vary greatly between people. Some people focus and, you know, focus on mm-hmm. a plan of getting home, say, in the book to start with yeah. the book, or some people focus on like stocking up on toilet paper or whatever. Like, yeah. And uh, like, it does break, I guess, bring to light the thin veil of society, you know, under, under mm-hmm. pressure, right? Yeah. Which which can disappear pretty quick, and we'll quickly d- d- fall into anarchy. But it's uh, you know, the, again, people's attitudes are different. They're, you know, a lot of people were in denial, and a lot of people weren't, and a lot of people were, you know, I got my rights. You can't do this to me. You can't do that to me. I can do whatever I want. And again, it's it's funny how things fold out in in real life, just watching it, and and how one would react to these different things. Again, this was. The book's a lot more serious a pandemic than 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 what we got going on right now. It's, this kind of seems like a bad flu season sometimes, but yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Well, I, I feel kind of bad because, like, the first book review we did, I said that. Well, thank goodness it's not one of those tactical books and everything else. And at, at first, I thought your your book was going to be like super duper tactical as well. And then I realized that you know, like, as they're basically just trying to get home, and they they kind of just do like a, a standoff, I guess, for lack of a better term. A couple times, you know, where they well, they yeah, had a few. Yeah, yeah, they they had a few, you know, roadblock standoffs and you know attempted robberies and stuff. But that's a lot more realistic than an actual like you know operator style gunfight and everything else. So uh, I was really uh, appreciative of the fact that it was actually something that could easily happen in Canada, especially when you're only on the only highway home between you know say Marathon, Ontario, and and mm-hmm. or something. Like, yeah, that's very believable and you know requires a minor bit of tactical aspect to it, but still mm-hmm. very very Canadian. Very Canadianish. <laughs> oh yeah, which is which is kind of interesting. Yeah. So other than I, that, I was gonna say, what makes your uh, book different than the average prepper fiction? Well, I guess just the fact that it's that was happened here in Canada, yeah. <laughs> more than anything, is 
because you don't read too many like that. They say there's a few, but you know, a lot of them don't don't have the winter. I wanted the winter in it because that's a it's a big deal for us up here. Mm-hmm. And other than that, I don't suppose a lot of prepper books are are kind of similar in a way. Some a little more tactical, some a little less, and you know, yeah. some. Yeah, I tried to put a variety of people in there with different skills, so to kind of get that point across again about the difference in skill sets. But. Yeah, I mean, so uh, as far as some of your characters, like you have a main main group of characters that end up in up in the Owen Sound area, uh, but you also have some side uh, notes out of Toronto as well, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, one thing I did appreciate too is the fact that you know here we are at minus twenty. And people are sitting in condos in Toronto and trying to make things work without power, without rule of law and everything else. And mm-hmm. that's a very, not just Canadian problem, but just realistic problem with most people living in cities too, right? Oh, yeah. Because so many people are urbanized nowadays that would be a big issue. And, you know, what are they going to do if, if all this, you know, if you lost the grid and you didn't have power anymore, didn't have water anymore? I mean, I experienced that when in, in 2003 when I lived on the 25th floor of a building downtown and mm-hmm. I got home as the elevators were shutting down and looked up at the really, really dark stairwell and decided, yeah, I don't really care <laughs> that much about my stuff. I'll come back another day. Exactly. Um, but it does. It, it, refl- it reflects on real life. And I think that's the one of the the things that's so easy to miss when you're when you're writing fiction is a, it's hard to make it relatable. Um, and it's even harder to make it relatable to Canadians when you're talking about the, you know, peach fields of Georgia instead of the, instead of the, uh, you know, the, the subway system in Toronto. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, not to mention the people that are like trying to get home and they have their, their, you know, concealed carry handy with them and all this other stuff. It's like, we don't get, we don't have that here. (laughs) Yeah. So that's just not going to happen, but that's uh, not going to happen. No. And, Bain did mention that to be fair, a, a wintertime zombie book would uh, would be kind of boring. So I guess you pick right after all, because I guess they freeze in place as they're shuffling. I, I wouldn't think they'd work very good in the cold, you know. Well, I, mean, I figure we're safe up here. We yeah, should have yeah, zombie I, problems in Canada. We, we have zombie. We, we could have potentially zombie problems for about six months a year, and the rest of the time, <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just be we just be stepping over piles of snow, which we're used to anyways. Yeah, so that's not not such a big deal that one. Zombies and mosquitoes. Awesome. So, like, yeah, uh, for those that have read it, you know, relatively, well, how many how many pages was it? Because I guess I had my Kindle, so it's a little different than, but how many? 295, uh, I believe it is, in, in Antigenic Shift. The, the the second book I got out is it's considerably larger. It's twice the size. Yeah, no, it's, I uh, I've finished book two already. So. Oh, yeah. Man. <laughs> Boy, I couldn't man. believe how big that thing was when I, when I got done. I was wow. Well, a lot of, lot of stories done back there. But, I'm uh, long-winded for sure. Yeah, but that was good. Um, so on that note, actually, uh, plans for future books. Well, there's that one, and uh, I'm working on the third one. Although I've been, I've been neglecting to uh, do as much writing as I should. I've been kind of distracted with the, with all the goings on in the world these days, I guess. And I need to get myself motivated and get work because I, I'm about halfway through it. So I, I gotta, I got a ways to go to finish that because that's a three part series, and then that will be done. And God, I'll never write another three-part series again without finishing all three of them first. I'm going to tell you that right now, because the so pressure very, is terrible. Very George R. R. Martin problem, right? We, they, they, uh, they started it and then it didn't, and then it didn't get finished in time, and then things just yeah. awry. Yeah. Oh God, you know, because things happen, life happens, and you know, work happens, and different things go on. Then we get these real pandemics, and uh, yeah, it kind of throws you off a bit. 
But uh, yeah, I'd, I'd like a few others. I have a few other ideas floating around in the old gray matter up there that I would I would like to write about too. So the three book series, the first one was obviously a genetic shift, and yeah. it's the beginning of the collapse. Book two was descent or descent into chaos. So that's basically you know everything falling apart at this point. And then book three is retribution because then an antigenic shift or not an antigenic shift. Sorry, in descent into chaos, I I leave you with about five cliffhangers where people uh, get in trouble and. You're wondering how they're going to get out of it. So, in uh, in retribution, there at the end, well, we have a we have a few wrongs to right, and we'll write them before we're done. And then a little cliffhanger of an ending because I I got the ending all figured out. I don't know how it's going to end, but just got to get there. It's the meat and potatoes, yeah. No, I, and again, without any spoilers, because I won't uh, I won't spoil it for the people. But yeah, book two, I mean, not as an expansion of the storyline and character, uh, I guess, list, but. Um, no, it, it's a very, very accurate take on breakdown law and order. And the fact is, it's very Canadian problems. Very, everybody knows everybody. You know, drug drug trade is an issue in, in the city. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just found it uh, kind of neat, actually, just in the fact that you, you've really tied it well together. So, Oh, that's good. I, I got a lot of characters. I thought maybe I've gone a little overboard here, but uh, I, I got a lot. A lot to keep track of. <laughs> <laughs> So let's see here. Counting the Brad says, uh, "Counting the days here for number three. Really enjoying the series." Oh, that's good. Thanks, Brad. Uh, I got to get it done. I got to get my duff in gear and get myself moving to get that finished. Uh, pressure's on now. So. Oh, I know. I got some fellows at work that bug me continually. I said, "Where's book three? Where's book three? <laughs> well, again, you know, if you get a quality product, people want more of it, right? Like, uh, uh, and rather than just being a puppy mill for books, it's like you actually put some thought into it, which was good. So, oh, I tried. I tried. Okay. Anyway, that's good. Uh, so final thoughts. Uh, any final thoughts on all this? Oh boy, final thoughts. I don't know, Ian. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I know. I know what I was going to say. Two weeks ago, in your in your podcast, you had uh, Chris from C Tom's on, and he was talking about first aid skills and how important first aid skills. Well, that's something I really wanted to emphasize in in, in all my books as I wrote them is is how important first aid is, which is and, and I bring it up quite often throughout the books on first aid training and how these people in the, in the, in the story spent a lot of time training and getting one another trained in first aid so that they could look after wrong, turn off things important. And, uh, the other final thought, I guess was a lot of, not say a lot of preparedness books, but there is a lot, there's an attitude out there of the, the lone wolf survivalist. You know, I'm going to get my rifle and I'm going off in the woods and I'm going to hunt and I'm going to live. Now, that's not going to happen. That's <laughs> just not going to happen. If you don't a have piece, a group of people. Die, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, you really need a group sleep, of people. Right? Yeah. It's important to have that group of people because not everybody has different skills and and everybody brings something different to the table. And it's a, you know, community works better than, than a single guy on his own. Just thinking about just your security. How does a one guy, you know, maintain 24-7 surveillance without getting himself killed? It just you're gonna burn out in a couple of days and you're gonna be done. So, you know. Well they're they're 168 hours in a week and you can't be awake all of them. No, you can. You're gonna nod off and you you know if you wanna be secure, you need a few extra people around to help spread that around. Misery loves company. Yeah, it does. <laughs> so that's something else I put in there that's you know, it's important. I mean, we can tie that back to another to another episode as well. I mean, just uh, about a year a year and a bit ago, we had uh, Doctor Joe Alton on from Doom and Bloom. Oh, yes, um, 
we were talking about specifically about the pandemic and the um, and the and the, the planning and response for uh, for an illness. But um, Dr. Alden has produced you know a number of great works of, of mm-hmm. uh, general medical knowledge for when there is no doctor coming. Right, most first aid when you take a when you take a standard first aid course is we're the bridge from somebody has happened something bad has happened to somebody and an ambulance, a fire truck, three police cars, and the Ministry of Labor is coming to coming to visit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does not. I mean, even a wilderness first aid course is getting somebody from a really really bad position to a slightly less bad position where there's cell service. Yes. Um, but it doesn't discuss what happens if you can't get to a hospital. Um, and so, mm-hmm. the more the more knowledge you have, and that's one thing that is uh, infinitely portable is knowledge. It doesn't take up any weight. Doesn't take up any space to pack. Um, knowledge is fantastic. So that's um, Dr. Alton would be another great would be a great resource for that for for practical application to the uh, to Terry's books. Yeah, it sure is. I got his in my little red bag back there on the shelf. I have his book in there, and I was lucky. They uh, him and Amy had me on their podcast there once. I'll say about a year ago. So I I talked to them a few times. They're they're good folks. They got lots right. of good info out there. Super people for sure. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, so Brad mentions Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. We're talking about the same people. Um, yes, they're, they're, they're the same. They're the same folks, and they're great. Uh, yeah. I think we had uh, doc, we had them on twice. Yeah. Um, and they were, you know, just just fantastic people both times. And they're they've got amazing resources and a great podcast of their own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they're uh, you know that um, survival medicine handbook yeah. is probably the uh, one of the best out there. Yeah, yeah, the, a good book. yeah, the Survival Medicine Podcast, too. I mean, yeah, they do yep. a great job every week. Mm-hmm. So. And, yeah, you mentioned the mag. At, at first, I, I, when I was reading the book there, I was like, man, this is just, like, way too uh, convenient to have all these, these perfectly, you know, qualified people all show up at the same time in, the, in this group. But then I realized, again, you're, you're, you're pointing out exactly what would make the ideal mag in the yeah. fact that you need, like, you know, you need the medical people. You need the, you know, the people that can actually teach self-defense. You need the people that can actually take care of you know, last minute injuries or, or, uh, you know, spur of the moment injuries anyways. And, um, and the importance of, you know, incorporating people in your community nearby to actually help, you know, mm-hmm. uh, make the system work because if it doesn't like, you still got that cranky neighbor next door, it's not going to help. Right. Oh yes. Yes. We always got those. <laughs> <laughs> so no, it is well, very well done and very well put together as far as like a, a how to fiction manual almost. Oh, and, good. That's good. Yeah. Glad you liked it. The, be- the yeah. best reality, the, be- the best fiction is rooted in reality, and um, if you can make it relatable, then, it, then it's even better. And I'll be the, um, <laughs> be completely frank. I, I actually just ordered both the books. Um, I, I like hardcover books or like paper paper books. I don't. Uh, um, I have a hard time reading on reading on the on a on a screen. So it's challenging, um, isn't it? Uh, the same uh, way. I, I try. I tried to read. I tried to read the uh, the first one. I tried to read Antigenic Shift, and I just. I, I, I can't read it. I don't have a Kindle. I have I have it on my phone. Oh um, yes, and I, I just couldn't. But I've uh, I've ordered the I've ordered the paper copies, so that'll be. Um, I'm committed to that. And now you have to finish the third because I can't help oh, yeah. you with a trilogy. Yep. So I'll get her done. I'll get her done. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So, anyways, long story short, uh, we kind of danced around the plot quite a bit, but yeah, obviously, guys, uh, if you're going to read this book, it's it's definitely worth your while. And uh, yeah, highly recommended it. Uh, as far as a book club goes, uh, I was happy we we came up with the idea. Actually, it was Carolyn, I think, uh, one of the people, and Eric, I think, came up with the the title to to choose from. And uh, yeah, I'm glad we did. So, Absolutely. Good. 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 Yeah. Good. 
So, so yeah, uh, anything else, or should we just move on to the uh, podcast challenge, Terry? Oh, I don't know. I don't think there's anything else. I blabbed enough, I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was awesome. I guess podcast challenge time. Alan, you want to take it away? The podcast challenge for this week. Take some time off. Enjoy some doom fiction. There you it go. All, it can't all be work. It can't all be, it can't all be, um, you know, ants, ants and grasshoppers, right? Take, take some time off. Um, find another book that you want to, that you want to read. If you want to talk to us about it on the, on the show, then let us know what you're reading. We'll read it too, maybe. And we'll, uh, we'll have you, we'll have you on the show and we can, and we can uh, have a round table about it. So, um, that's that's my that's my thing. Uh, that's our thing for the week is just take some downtime and do something that's not necessarily physically progressive, but will be good for your mental health. Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, I think a lot of people have been uh, wound up pretty tight last year, so maybe it's just a good idea to put your nose in a book and just chill out for a few hours, right? Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Yeah, it's been a challenging year for everyone. It has. Yeah. Actually, uh, Scott, one of our listeners and part-time panelists there, did mention uh, maybe one second after, so we'll talk about that later. That's a good book. Yeah. Could I put a plug in for some poor fellow, if you don't mind? Yeah. There's there's another fellow, um, Chris McGarry. He's he's another Canadian from PEI, and he's got quite a few Canadian-based prepper-style books out there. Some of them go into America a bit, too, as well, but he's... uh, I, I've been wanting to read some of his stuff myself, and I haven't got around to it. I've been too busy trying to get my own darn things done. But uh, he's an interesting guy. I'd like to, he's on my list of books to read. Is he on Amazon as well? Uh, I believe he is. Actually, before we before we get off the book idea, um, yeah. So actually, we'll talk about it later. That's also good. Sure. Anyways, uh, what, what was that name? Christopher McGarry. M C G A R R Y. Yeah, because I'm going to uh, going to look it up myself as well. Yeah, but, fantastic. Um, Anyways, deal of the time. I I did find something. Actually, I had a <coughs> Sog Steel Pop knife that was like seventy five percent off at Cabela's last week, but mm-hmm. the sale just ended today because <laughs> we we missed it because the uh, the last week uh, being Easter and stuff. But uh, I found a new one at Cabela's here, thirty percent off your solar powered hand crank radio. So AM, FM, and weather uh, at Cabela's, and it's, uh, it's a decent price. Mm-hmm. I was actually they're... looking for a couple of those. Yeah, I mean. They're not as cheap as they used to be because of obviously supply and demand right now. But I think this is on for fifty bucks or something, which normally they were thirty. I think a couple of years ago, and well, everybody's getting into them now. So now, now they're eighty. So we'll drop them down to fifty and still make still make money. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. but I just put the link in there for the show notes if people want to take a peek. Good. Um, other than that, shout outs, Alan. Um, thanks to Cody for bringing his log splitter over. I'm sorry I broke it. Well, I heard uh, hydraulic fluid is good for your lawn anyway. Well, I mean, <laughs> that one particular spot looks really, really green right now. We'll see what happens in the next couple of days, but it looks really, really green at this particular moment. Oh, uh, Bane points out if uh, Cabela's will give you the sale price for a week after if you're far enough away. Oh, there you go. Oh, uh, and Brad says, spell his name one last time. So, <laughs> Oh, okay. Um, McGarry, I believe it's M-C-G-A-R-R-Y. There you go. I'll okay, have to wait. look it up myself, and I'll I'll send you a text theory and put that on there. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, worst case scenario, so we can play back the podcast. And let's do it again for the t- of the spelling. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, because I could be wrong. Yeah. So uh, um, I got. It, uh, it is in fact McGarry. I just did uh, did a little quick uh, interning here. Um, okay. Good. And it is yes, it is Chris McGarry. He is Canadian, and he has 
um, a number of looks. He's like got a number of books. books. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's got a number of good books. Yeah. All right. How about it. Yep. There we go. As for myself, I've got a shout out for the listeners. Um, yeah, we want your feedback on Book Club. Not even so much as suggestions for titles, but yay or nay. Do you guys want us to keep, keep talking about this? You know, talk about prepper fiction, stick to the uh, the bare bones factual stuff, uh, how to's, or uh, is Book Club good, or just do you want us to stop? So just let us know either way. Uh, that's uh, pretty much all I had. If the answer so. is yes, then I think our next one has to be the SAS Survival Manual. <laughs> that's a good book. <laughs> Well, no fiction, but yeah, that's, 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 can you cover that that's off in 45 minutes? <laughs> we can cover a chapter in 45 minutes. We're in three years. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Episode 45, poisonous plants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Subpart. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a long one. Um, email iTunes reviews. Uh, we got a YouTube review from Todd and he says, you guys make me laugh. Thanks for keeping it light. You know, Perfect. If you, if, you, if you take life too seriously, you're still never going to get out alive. You might as well have some fun while we're doing it. That's okay. right. All right. Well, other than that, I guess I'm going to bring episode 112 of the Canadian Pepper Podcast to an end. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Please help us out and submit a review. It helps other people find us. We do record these shows live on Facebook and YouTube. If you want an early peek at the show, please subscribe to the YouTube channel, Canadian <coughs> Prepper Podcast. Click the notifications tab. That gives you an alert when we're going live. If you want to find me directly, you can get me at Alan, that's with one L, at prepperpodcast.ca. I'm Terry. And me, well, you can you can find any of my books on Amazon worldwide, whether you're in the UK or wherever you happen to be from. And uh, just type in my name or, uh, or the book title, and it should show up. And It, it does, in fact. I, I proved that tonight. Okay, that's good. And I do, the only other thing I've done is I don't have a web page, but I, I do have a Facebook page. And so I only do any marketing on Facebook. That's all I ever really do. So you can look me up on there, Terry L. Blackmore author. That's my page on Facebook. And that's about it. Oh, oh God forbid, leave a review, you know. And it, I got lots of books out there, but you don't get very many reviews. And the more reviews you get, the better it is for your ranking on Amazon. So the more you show up. So you that's important. Not just for me. I'm going to put that plug in for everybody. If you read somebody's book, put a review on Amazon for the poor bugger. It's tough to get them. Oh, really? Okay. I'll have to throw something Oh, on boy. There. Is it ever? I, I kid you not. It's tough. Like pulling teeth. Oh, uh, Jeff just mentioned the fact that, uh, oh, the, the show did not appear on Facebook tonight. I have to admit, I got kicked off Facebook and then my Facebook access <laughs> finally expired. I will never, ever be able to put the show on Facebook if I host it again. So. You're in Facebook jail. I am in Facebook uh, purgatory. purgatory. I, was, <laughs> I was told never to come back. So <laughs> you, you descended into the third circle of hell. Yeah. So I was oh, like, boy. is it really a loss? I don't know. But anyways, yeah, yeah I, I'm not allowed to uh, to transmit on podcast or on Facebook anymore. So I, if I'm hosting, it is <laughs> offline. So okay. So let me rephrase that outro. We definitely broadcast this live on YouTube. Sometimes it's on Facebook. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Depending on who's in charge tonight, yeah. Yeah. So, all right. No matter what, you will always be able to download it until iTunes decides that they don't like us anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which could happen tomorrow. Huh? Anyway. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you can reach me directly by uh, emailing Ian at theislandretreat at gmail.com. And you can also find me on Gab, which is no longer Facebook, as you know. No uh, longer Facebook. Yeah, uh, at uh, the Island Retreat. Uh, 
and I also started a group. I think it's got five people in it right now. Self-Reliance and Homesteading Canada because nobody cares about Canada. It's all American stuff. And you can also find my Canadian Patriot podcast on iTunes and YouTube Sunday evenings. You can find us discussing why government waste in society makes me escape into a good book now and then. <laughs> all right. That's, that was a far better dad joke right there. That was there great. There you go. <laughs> you redeemed yourself there. There you go. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, be prepared, stay safe. And keep learning. <laughs>